You rolled up a what? A warlock? What the hell is that? A magic user that cheated their way through their final exam? You need to have a pact with your patron to grant you powers? What the? The only warlock I've ever heard of was one guy named Maurice who had a daughter named Samantha and she was like married to some milquetoast dude named Darren or Durwood or something like that. Hello and welcome back to another amazing and fun-filled episode of The Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And today's episode is going to be about that, um, that one character class that, well, not many people really know about. Warlocks. It, the Warlocks. Sounds Re- a little scary. Shows you, show your hands if you are currently running a Warlock character. Well, that's none of us. Yeah. <laughs> I've had one warlock. Actually, Greg's daughter played a warlock in my campaign, and I've run into the occasional warlocks a lot more online than uh, playing face-to-face, it seems. I played one by default because it was pre-generated, and I was kind of like the last person to the table. <laughs> last one to show up, got the character nobody wanted. Yeah, nice. yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah Burnley's is the only uh, warlock I've ever uh, seen in a game. Hmm. So we are going to step into some uh, territory that we're not really that familiar with, and we're going to talk about the Warlock class. But first, as we like to do, we want to talk about some of that other gaming that we've been doing that is maybe kind of related to D&D or totally unrelated to D&D, and this is (laughs) The Games People Play. All right, so Eric, what have you been doing that uh Well, my big news is my module for Roll Call, the Adventures League module, finally got approved by Wizards of the Coast. So oh, or nice the Adventures things. League, whoever approves those things. Um, and it's uh, some looking, looking really nice. Yeah, some big syndicate. You have to pay, pay bribe <laughs> money and stuff. Um, 20-year-old locked into a room that says, rubber stamp this. And, and then, uh, of course, I play, you know, still played my, my weekly Adventures League game at my friendly local game store, which is moving um, down yes. the road. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're going to be moving, I believe, right after the local gaming convention. Yeah, so that'll, apparently, it's hopefully it's a better space. It must be, because the one they have now is not great. They'll talking, have their own parking lot for once. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, talking to uh, one of the critical people in the move, uh, he believes that it will be a much uh, more environmentally friendly for gamers. Yeah. And that's uh, the Gopher Mafia games, if yes. people don't know. Yes. We're not um, dancing around it. Yeah. It's Gopher um, Mafia. And then the other thing that sort of has been going on is if if people don't go to conventions, one, you should, but two, uh, this is a time of year where you actually start to need pl- need to start planning for all these conventions. So a lot of sign-up lists have been coming out to either volunteer to GM. I just sent a form in to volunteer at D8 Summit, which is coming up later in the year. Um, Gen Con event registration um, or uh, submission opens in January, so mm-hmm. I need to start thinking about that stuff. So ironically, even though we're in the middle of winter and this is the dead spot for game conventions, I've been doing a lot of stuff getting ready for the next year for game conventions. And Greg and I are just setting our calendars to uh, take advantage of all those fine people who decide they're going to run games at the game conventions. We're just going to go and play. Oh, yeah. That's not true. Yeah. You got a bunch coming up in <laughs> January. That is true. I am running at the local. I've got uh, three or four that I'm running at the local one. So, 
Greg, what about you? Do you ever get your uh, your games going? Uh, no, we haven't uh, gotten together since our last recording. It's there's been a lot of uh, real world problems with my uh, game group. I but, hate uh, that. Yeah, I know, but uh, you know, I do have my I do have my Gary Con uh, badge, and I uh, got my Winter War badge here uh, last week and signed up for some uh, games. I got a little more, a few more slots I can. You know, in. I did see a comic online yesterday, and it had a kid on Santa's lap, and Santa said, what do you want for Christmas? And he said, I want a dragon. And Santa says, well, dragons aren't real. What else do you want? He goes, I want a gaming group that meets every week on a regular <laughs> basis. And Santa says, what color dragon? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. That's about true. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm going to have to search that one out. That's yeah, we might be, I might be able to track it down. We'll put it on the yeah. web, yeah. web page. Yeah, well, it'll be exciting to find out. We're supposed to play... Uh... Day after tomorrow, so we'll, we're going to have our first uh, Star Wars session. Well, good luck but, to uh, you. Got my character all squared away, ready to go, and we're uh, we're the mapping out awakens. the world now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes. Well, let's see. Um, I've been busy with non D and D related stuff. I've been painting a bunch of my Conan miniatures for the upcoming gaming convention, so that uh, when I run the game that Eric, I think you're going to be in, um, the Conan game, yeah, the miniatures will be painted. Nice. Yeah. So I've got a friend of mine helping me paint, and I'm uh, taking on some of that uh, onerous task myself. Um, my gaming group, well, I should say three others, and myself from our gaming group, we played another month of Pandemic Legacy. Uh-oh. We are now moving into month November, which means that we have played ten whole months, and we've not had a loss. <laughs> wow. Nice. And... From my understanding, that's pretty rare. We are at 10 and 0. And for Pandemic Legacy, if you lose in a month, you replay the game in like the second half of a month. We've not had to do that yet. Ah, huh. But we won by the seat of our pants and a Hail Mary move at the very end. So it was a lot of fun. And man, was it stressful. Very stressful. And I don't know why it should be so stressful, but it did. Um, I also played a game of Memoir 44, I played the board game, but it was the online version of the board game so that I could play with my uh, friend who lives in Germany. So you're still manipulating yeah, cool. the, the pieces just like you would in a board who game. Who got to play the Germans? Uh, <laughs> we switched sides. <laughs> okay. uh, the German played the Germans first, and then the German played the Allies, uh, or the Americans, uh, on the second round, and he kicked my butt in both games. The dice were not in my favor. <laughs> not in my favor. And uh, Oh, in that pandemic, how many people play in that? Um, four. Four? Okay. Yeah, four. And, you know, we just play four. I wonder if we could actually play five. I don't recall. I think it's just four. Okay. I think it's just four. Um, but we also had a, uh, in that pandemic legacy game, if you win too much, you don't get anything to make the game better for you. It just gets getting worse and worse oh. and worse. Yeah, that's <laughs> a nice mechanic. Yeah. Because no one wants a game where you just roll through it. That's why nobody plays shoots and ladders. Yeah. Case, you know. <laughs> we do not expect to go solidly 12 and 0, but uh, we're sure hurt. certainly hoping. And last thing, we played, I know it sounds weird to call it old school, but some uh, my friends and my son and some of his friends, we used to play Halo when it first came out. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, there was a, uh, a, a, I guess, a battleground. It was called Wizards, where they had these teleporters and these ramps and such. And we would always play Wizards with rocket launchers. And that was the only weapon you had, was rocket launchers. <laughs> and we played that for like four hours on a Friday night, drinking whiskey and some vodka. <laughs> so it just got better and better as the night went on. They, um, 
I don't even know what game. It's a shooter game. It's like a cartoony shooter game that Ian used to play. My, my Borderlands? Stepson. No. It was a different. They were really into it. Well, he spent a month like learning how to like rocket jump or something where you blast your rocket at your feet and it bounces you up and oh wow no <laughs> he didn't do anything else except perfect that technique it was very strange and in this game all that does is get you killed yeah. so but that was uh what we did over the last couple of weeks of uh gaming non D related so that is our little segment of games people play All right, so let's talk about Warlocks. Let's let's pre-talk about Warlocks, because we <laughs> sort of mentioned that none of us really play Warlocks and that none of us know a lot of people who play Warlocks. And in prepping for this podcast, Warlocks are, I mean, we have, our title is a Class of Their Own. A Class of Their Own. And the that's warlocks. no accent, because they don't really match up well with other character classes. Um so first off, they, they weren't an original class, obviously. They, they came around in 3.5. Which is, that's a long time to develop. Yeah. I mean, that, that just pops up on the scene in 3.5. Yeah, so, I mean, part of that has to do with original D&D did not shy away from this stuff, but it was a pretty bare-bones concept. You had your fighting man, your magic user, your thief, and your cleric. Right, no, and then, your classic Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and then we, they expand, and Warlock doesn't really fit into that so much. Although, in, if you read the histories, there was somebody who played a vampire, and, and you know, before ODD, when they were sort of messing around with it, or maybe during the the original period, and ODD is original Dungeons and Dragons, the the box set, the wood grain box. Um, but then, uh, when they came out with AD and D, you know, they, they we had more classes. Um, they didn't include Warlock because we had Magic User and Illusionist. They covered a lot of stuff. And then you had Cleric and Druid on the other side. Um, and then the Satanic Panic happened. Okay. Yes. And that seems a good time to introduce a character that worships a demon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and we've put together a little bit of of what it was sort of like for a kid trying to explain to their mother that, that D&D was not a, a, a cult. That, that, that it wasn't a gateway to Satan worship. Yes. So let's give that a listen. Okay. Timmy, we need to talk about that game you've been playing. You mean Dungeons & Dragons? It's so much fun. Did you want to play? We can roll you up a character right now. Heavens to Betsy, no. Danny's mother called me and told me D&D was a cult and turning all you boys into devil worshippers. Devil worship? Take a chill pill, Mom. We do you play the good guys. I think you should roll up a thief. You can sneak around a pickpocket. Wait, wait, wait. You should be an assassin, dealing death from the shadows. <sighs> you do extra damage if you hit someone when they don't know you're there. Oh my! This doesn't sound like a very wholesome game. Why can't you boys play Shoots and Ladders? You used to love that game. Shoots and Ladders? That is a baby game. D&D is a grown-up game and we learn all kinds of stuff when we play. What exactly are you learning? Anything about Satan? Hmm? Uh, Mom. Satan isn't even in the Monster Manual. It's Asmodeus, Basable, and Dispater, but no Satan. Danny's mom said she saw a picture of Demogorgon in one of Danny's books. Demogorgon isn't even a devil, Mom. He's a demon. They're a totally different creature. 
Devils come from the nine layers of hell. Demons come from the 666th layer of the abyss. You seem to know a lot about this stuff. Are you sure you aren't doing any summoning rituals or anything? Shout right. We don't have anyone high enough level to summon. Plus, we need to know a devil's true name. We almost got one when a succubus tried to seduce me. But don't worry, I made my save. A succubus? What is that? Wait, let me show you a picture. Here it is. Oh my! All right, I want to admit that seems about right. Yeah, <laughs> I want to. I want to admit, my mother, my dad didn't care. My mother actually started to think that Dungeons and Dragons was a bad thing for me. I I had to have a couple of discussions with her, and after a while, she realized it was just a bunch of hooey. But my mom was is kind of one of those things that if she hears about it on the news or on TV, it must be true. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have any experience um, like that? My parents didn't so much care. I wa I did have a letter to the editor responding to other letters to the editor in our local paper about Oh, really? Did, yeah. Nice. I was I was like 12 or 13. Do you have a uh, copy of it anywhere? I don't think I do. And I've uh, looked online, but they're not they're not digitized. So mm. maybe if I'm ever back in New Jersey and I know the New Jersey Herald is still in existence. I can go back through their archives, maybe um, get myself a copy. Well, I know for a fact that Greg was part of a satanic cult because he was playing Palladium. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we tried to keep that under the table but but as you can see uh, yeah. i mean my, my parents didn't care what i was playing they just cared how i was playing which was really late way too many times a week when i should have been studying yeah <laughs> that was all they cared about why aren't you working on your homework or you play it Huh. Uh, homework's done. Yeah. <laughs> Got all these books in front of me. Yeah. Isn't it obvious? So even though it wasn't a cult or Satan worship, there's a lot of aspects of AD&D. I mean, you had assassins, you did have summoning spells, and I don't know about you guys, but we knew a lot about the stuff occultists would probably know. <laughs> That's true. You're absolutely right. Yes. We just lacked the motivation to be in a cult. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We had satanic knowledge through osmosis, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so if you were to throw a warlock in there... Yeah. Uh, I mean, forget it. There's no way that could happen. Do you think that was a conscious effort to kind of steer away from that? Or was it just something that they hadn't, it wasn't on their radar yet? I don't know if it was conscious. I think it probably influenced it. There's always been a subset of classes that have either sort of jumped around the periphery of Dungeons & Dragons or made it in some and then sort of went out like herbalist. People always want to play herbalists. Um Oh my Alchemist. god! That sounds like an exciting combat uh, yeah. class. Yeah, I mean, there. there's all these little, and warlock is sort of one of those classes. Um, yeah, at its heart, you're like, okay, you make a, a pact with with a demon, and that's how you get your power. Uh, people aren't super comfortable with that. Even now, it's sort of sketchy. But in a mechanic sense, though, it's it's really very practical because you're well. It makes more know. sense than sorcerer, which, yeah, yeah, which and, is and, and, and another makes, one of those classes. And it makes a hell of a lot more sense than being an herbalist and you know chucking a bag of sage at the bad guys <laughs> and hoping that they run in fear. That's, yeah, uh, clearly you yeah. should be using rosemary to, yeah. to do oh, that. Um, actually, an early Dragon magazine they used to do an April Fool's issue, and um, they would put in Dragon magazines had a lot of those character classes early on, and they had a clerk class. Clerk, and, yeah, clerk. You know, I remember and it was all seeing about, that like, one. 
filling out paperwork. Yes, <laughs> nice. And I do remember seeing the Herbalist uh, yeah, they somewhere. Had the, yeah, it was in Dragon Magazine. Yeah. Well, I immediately went to Kevin Smith in my head when you said the clerk's oh, class. Oh, well, And I was just like, yes, yeah, <laughs> uh, Dante in there. <laughs> so, so Warlock is one of those classes that would have been problematic. And anymore, I guess it's not. So, so 3.5, they included it. Um, but in 3.5, they could either be born with their power or uh, gotten it through a fell pact. Yeah. So they had out. So they sort of split that off. That born with became a sorcerer, and then it's not your fault. Yeah, you and know, so. and in three point five they had invocations instead of spells. So they it's were pure invocations. Fault. I they did. The devil. They did have eldritch blast, which is the big five e mm-hmm. uh, power. And they also had. Um, they were all at will. There was no limit on their invocation. So even though they didn't get spells, they could do this all day, which I sort of like. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. that that's sort of nice. Uh, invocations still sort of have that ability, but um, you have they're. They're tied to something in most cases. Um, well, you need your limitations. You know, yeah. I, and this is one balance, of the reasons that balance. it's a class of their own. The Warlock class is structured like no other class in 5th edition because it was added so late, it didn't bring with it any baggage. It brought all new baggage. <laughs> there um, were no expectations. Yeah. So they just sort of designed it from the ground up in 3rd edition. And if you remember 3rd edition, it was a very rule-heavy edition. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've played Pathfinder. Yeah, um, <laughs> and Warlock represents that. It's probably, in my opinion, one of probably the most difficult class to play in Fifth Edition. Um, you can't just step into a Warlock as a new player and be like, "Oh, I know what to do." Um, it gets very complicated very quickly. We'll talk about that. Yeah, I noticed that. Four um, E, they continued. It became a core class in Four E. Um, they converted them to using spells. They had a curse that they could do stuff. There was multiple types of facts, which all, packs, which <laughs> also came in um, to 5e. Um, and then we first saw the Hexblade in the Heroes of the Forgotten Kingdoms, which we're going to talk about for 5e, because that's that, to me, has become the go-to warlock build, it seems. Um, so, like we said, it's, it's one of those classes that's, that's really convoluted. And one of the reasons, I think, is because, you know, if you play a fighter... Your abilities are pretty straightforward. You pick your archetype at third level, second level, third level, I think it is. Um, and you have a couple other decisions to make there. Warlocks, you have your spells. So you have to pick your spells. You get your cantrips. You have to pick your pact, who you're going to have your pact with. You have to pick your invocations. And that's even before you get to your... Uh, selecting what subclass you want to be, what specialty or archetype you want to be. Um, so all that stuff happens outside. So there's massive decisions to make pretty early in your character's career. Which I think is probably really uh, detrimental to anybody who wants to start a new class. I mean, crime any sakes, that's a lot of pre-planning to do. Yeah, and... Yeah, this was, this was kind of... There's a lot here. And it's a very front-loaded class because there's so much to choose. Um... They get a lot of abilities really early on, which means a lot of people love to multi-class with Warlock. They get their their archetype at first level. So you get your archetype abilities at first level, which is huge um, if you're going to multi-class. Um, so, you know, generally they get a D8 for hit dice, right? They get light armor, which I think is useless. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> light armor is like there's other things that give you a better armor class, 
than light armor that you're generally going to want to use. But I guess it's there. They get simple weapons. So I don't I don't know what niche they're supposed to be. Like, oh, I, I could fight, like, goblins? I could stand toe-to-toe with a goblin, but then once you're past first level, you're going to get beat on like a redheaded stepchild. My well, apologies to any redheaded stepchild. Yeah, well, as one of my uh, uh, players is using, he's using a, a club, which is a simple weapon, and then he casts Shillelagh on it, and it becomes a lot. Yeah, they can melee, but then yeah. they got to worry about their armor class. Yeah, he does get hit a lot. He stays in the back. And with only a D8 hit dice, you're, you're not really a melee class. Right. Um, they Although, get, cover your bases a little, you know, <laughs> if you get stuck. Uh, he, he, well, we'll I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit in terms of the, uh, the uh, patron options, but uh, he usually is a guy who uh, pokes it with a stick at the very end to get those temporary <laughs> hit points. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they start with a couple cantrips. It eventually works its way up to four. Um they their extra level abilities don't really impress me. At at eleventh level, I believe it's eleventh. They yeah they get a or Mystic Arcanum eleven, and I think that's that comes in eleventh level. They get a six level spell that they can cast once per long rest, and then that gets added um, at thirteenth, fifteenth, seventeenth. They get other spells they cast once per long rest. That's sort of nice, but. Of limited utility, right? I mean, it's essentially just, I, I don't know, it just, it doesn't mesh with any other abilities where you get one spell, mm-hmm. you have to get the spell, you can cast it once. It, I mean, but, it's like giving them a spell slot, but a spell slot that can only be used for that spell, which is very 3 three and 3.5-ish, you know. Um, Explain. Well, you know, in original D&D, you, you had, you know, if a wizard took as their first level spell... Uh, magic missile. That was what you cast. You didn't have spell slots. Right. You yeah. had you magic walk, missile. Yeah, spell. Um, now mm-hmm. three, they decided with clerics that you could. You still had to take your spells, but you could replace any of those spells with a healing spell and cast that instead. Okay. So they sort of went away and they sort of gave a little more utility. And then by the time we got to five, you now had spell slots, a certain number of spells you memorize. Well, this sort of goes back to the old way. You're essentially giving an extra slot that can only be used to cast one spell. Hopefully a really good one. Yeah, I was just about to say. And you can't change that spell. So it's just weird. We we have no other class that, like, you do get some archetypes that grant spells that are always prepared, but you don't have to use... They they would use a normal slot if you cast them. They don't give you an extra slot or anything. They just are always ready to be cast. It's just, it's a weird, like I said, this class does not match any other classes. It's like somebody outside of the development team came up with this class and they stuck it in the player's handbook. I'm already confused. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then at 20, they get Eldritch Master. Um, they can spend a minute and regain all their spell slots from the pack, packed magic feature uh, per long rest, which is nice. Extra spells. So you get lots of spells. Now, here's the other thing about Warlock spell slots. They always cast at the highest at spell the highest, slot. Yeah. Okay? Which means if you multi-class, you have to keep track of your Warlock spell slots differently <laughs> than you have to keep track of your other classes' spell slots. That sounds like fun. And I'm not convinced most players do that because it's <laughs> so convoluted. Um, so if I cast something using my warlock spell slot, it automatically casts a high spell, but spell slot. But if I have other spell slots, those don't automatically cast. 
And when I get spell slots back, if I have like a wizard and I have that arcane recovery, I recover wizard spell slots, not warlock spell <laughs> slots. Wow. Bookkeeping for D&D. Yeah. It, and this is why I think it's probably not one of the more popular classes. Um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with just the idea that you have to pick some sort of demon that you, you know, owe your soul to. Um, yeah, but here's the other thing in. about soul slots. Unlike every other caster, they come back after a short rest. That's true. Now, they don't get as many generally, um, but they, they get, you know, they get there more frequently and they have the special abilities that pull back even more of their special spell abilities after a, a you know, one minute rest. Um and as if that wasn't convoluted enough, your invocations, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, they supplement your spells in many cases. So invocations, especially Eldritch Blast, which is a cantrip. So um, you get this wildly uh, crazy crossover effect between all your different class abilities um, that you really need to keep track of. So it's not for a new player in, in my mind. So... Those are general class features. But now you have to pick your Pact, okay? And there's three Pacts. There's Pact of the Chain, Pact of the Tome, Pact of the Blade. Um, they all give different abilities. And this is another way that Warlocks differ than every other class. If you make a 7th level fighter and I make a 7th level fighter and we both change, choose, you know, uh, champion... They're going to be incredibly similar. Mm -hmm. That's not the case with Warlocks. Even if we both choose the same pact, um, that's not even our archetype. So, so you know, we're, we're going to differ maybe on archetypes. We're going to differ on Eldritch Invocation or, uh, uh, yeah, Eldritch Invocations that we take. Warlock characters are wildly different, unlike pretty much every other D&D character out there. They, they vary so much because they have so many options. So these three packs are, are one of the way, ways they can vary. Pact of the Chain, uh, they get fine familiar. This is sort of like, I guess, a binding kind of thing, like you, you mm -hmm. control sort of thing. You can uh, get familiars that include an imp, a pseudo-dragon, a quasit, or a, sp a sprite. And who doesn't want a pseudo-dragon? Well, yeah, pseudo-dragons are cool, but um, some of the other ones are cool, too. I think quasits can go invisible, can't they? Right, yes. Which is sort of nice. They also have an ability. Um, normally, familiars can't attack. I see a lot of people mess up this rule. They let familiars attack. They cannot take the attack action. They can do other actions that are listed um, under actions, but not attacks. So there's this weird, like, um, in Adventures League, they gave a, a gazer, and they have these eye stalk abilities. And they can use their eye stalks because that's not considered an attack action. It's a, it's a separate action. Uh, but normally, familiars can attack, uh, but Pack of the Chain, you can forego your attack to let your familiar attack, which is sort of handy sometimes. It's like you're controlling it, yeah. Yeah. Um, Pact of the Tome, which is my favorite Warlock Pact, if I have a favorite. Really? Yeah. You get to choose three cantrips from any list. Which is very unusual. Yeah. yeah I mean... Anytime you, any can, you can cherry pick spells. Yeah. So what? Yeah. Just what cantrips would you guys think would? I I sort of know. Without what, having the list in front of me, I don't know. Well, my yeah. my go to has got to be guidance. Guidance is an awesome cantrip. I mean, it's basically adding a D four on every check 
that's made when you're not in combat that you know you're going to be making. Yeah. I mean, for free. It's a cantrip. It doesn't even take a spell slot. So so that's a huge one. Um, oh, yeah. Nice. The other two, you know, it really depends on, on what you want. Your mileage may vary. But just being able to pick up guidance as a warlock, that's huge, huge party buff. Um, and that's got to be outside of combat. Well, it doesn't have to be, but usually you're not going to waste your action to cast guidance on somebody who's going to make a check, unless it's a really important check in combat. You could do it. Well, the reason I say that, and because um, maybe I missed it or whatever, but apparently we did not. Uh, in the last game we did, uh, one of the cantrips that one of the uh, players had was guidance. And she was using that to make sure that those people who are up front were hitting what they need. I don't think it applies on attack rolls. Well, she was... Ability checks. I mean, regardless, it didn't help them as much as they wanted it anyway. I mean, we've maybe fudged the rules a bit there. um, But in terms of gameplay, it was a lot of fun. um, Because they were really... Either the dice were cold or... Well, that's what... Bless gives you attack rolls. That's that's the go-to. But that's a level one spell. Mm -hmm. So Guidance, I believe, is uh, ability checks maybe... I don't even think it does saves. Bless does saves. Well, regardless, it was a lot yeah. of fun. Um, they were they were trying anything and everything just to survive combat. You're a mean DM. <laughs> Surprise! But I was nice enough to at least yeah. let them try yeah. something. Oh, I, then, I, I would think you know people would maybe go towards some of your regular go tos like Mage Hand or you know Shillelagh or something like yeah. that. So you know the basics. Yeah, I mean it really depends. Again, it's very complicated because now as a new player, you're not probably familiar with every single cantrip that's in the game. And that's sort of a, a character-defining choice. What are you going to take for those free cantrips? Now, the last pact is Pact of the Blade. You get to conjure and dismiss a, a magic melee weapon that you automatically become proficient with. And I believe it has to be one-handed, if I yes. remember correctly. This is the um, one. This was the pact that the sorcerer that I was, by default, having yeah. to play had. And, and this gets weird, because now you have essentially tur- taken a warlock, and you want to turn them into a fighter. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Uh, yeah. Fighter is a pretty strong class if you want to be a fighter. <laughs> uh, well, it's D and D. You got to be everything to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. None of this and first every, first level or first edition stuff. Everything must be equal. Yeah. Um, so so you've chosen your pact. You know your base stuff, but now you have to have a patron. Okay. Which is, yeah, okay, yeah. So This is where you got to get creative. And this is all at first level, right? Or maybe your pack comes at second level. No, I think it is comes it? at first level. At first yeah. level. I should yeah. This is definitely level. a class for people who like to make up complicated character yeah. backgrounds because you can't just slosh your way through this and say, um, I'm the biggest guy in town and I'm a fighter. Yeah, you know, you got you to work up some background for this guy. Yeah, so, and there's a lot of patron options. Um, so you have the Archfey. I don't run into these very often. Um, basically, you have you get a Fey presence at first level. You can charm or frighten creatures within a ten foot cube. Um, Misty Escape. Um, if you're damaged, you can use your reaction to turn invisible and teleport sixty feet. You do that once per rest, nice. which is sort of nice. Like get me out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, beguiling defenses at tenth. You're immune to charm, and you can use your reaction to charm a creature back. I actually played with. Somebody who had that ability during the epic at um, Gamehole Con. Really? 
Yeah, the creature tried to charm him. He's like, oh, I'm charming back. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, sort of, and I, I had never run into that. It was rather surprising. It's sort of cool when it works, but again. Did it work? How often? Um, I don't think it did, no. Because <laughs> by the time you're 10th level, like, yeah, you're going to make your save probably, but so are they. The creatures you're fighting have pretty good saves too. Um, so I guess and it's such a niche ability. Like, how often are you going to run into it? Um, and then at 14, you can use your action to charm or frighten and the creature becomes lost in a misty realm for one minute. So it's sort of like a banishment. There's a lot of mist in all these descriptions. Well, I've it's the fae. They it's like the it foggy. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, the, the other one's a fiend. There's a, you know another patron. <gasps> There's that... Uh, I see. Yeah, that, that that's the one that'll, that'll get all your D&D books taken away from you <laughs> and you're going to have to go meet with the, the church counselor. <laughs> um, so... Uh, Dark One's Blessing. This is sort of huge. Anytime you drop a creature to zero hit points, you get temporary hit points equal to your charisma modifier, which is your primary stat. Right. And your um, level. Your level. And that's how the uh, player in my campaign is using that to great effect. Yeah. Um, he waits until things are a little on the weak side, and then he finds the weakest one and goes up and tries to tag him. But then sometimes I get players at the table that will get visibly upset when people don't let them get the killing blow. Because they get an advantage from the killing blow. And the people who are drawn to warlocks are sort of min-maxers. Not to put a bad name on (laughs) min-maxers, but... um, Well, you certainly wouldn't. Well, to put a name on min-maxers, I think it would be (laughs) Eric Hawley. (laughs) (laughs) So so that one, you know, that's a double-edged sword. It's nice, but then it can can cause player problems. Yeah, I could see that happening in some groups. In mine, it it does not. Um, But he certainly um, uses that to very great effect. And... Even at fourth level, um, he hasn't gotten any of the other things yet. And it, it also sort of forces... It saved his ass numerous it, times. It sort of forces a player to metagame. I mean, hit points are so, so it, supposed to be an abstract concept. That's a very good point. But yes. now you have a player that's tracking the monster hit points because they want to know when they can, you know, which monster to attack to get the killing blow. And But the class is set up to want you to do that. Yeah, so, interesting. I don't know if I, I agree with that. Um so uh, at sixth level, you get Dark One's Lucky, a D10 added to an ability check or saving throw once per rest. That's um, pretty big. Saving throw, a D10 added to a saving throw. I can't tell you the number of times <laughs> that I regret not having Lucky on a character because there are some saves you just have to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I pl- pretty much all of my fear checks in your game. We play tested <laughs> my module and it had a spring Eladrin in it. And they have an ability called Joyous Presence. This is a spoiler alert, by the way, if you're going to play <laughs> my, my adventure. Oh, damn, no. Um, they have Joyous it. Presence. And this ability charms you for a minute. And the only way it's broken is if the Spring Eladrin attacks you, it damages you. Hmm. It's not broken. So essentially, it's a game ender. If, if the whole party fails that save, or a good portion of them, and the, and the Eladrin has allies... They're not doing anything. Nope. They're just watching. Um, so that's a save you really want to make. Um, and, you know, that's what inspiration is for, too. But Lucky lets you add it after you roll, which is nice. Um, so the ability to add a D10, that's that's sort of powerful. Um, Fiendish Resistance, Resilience at level 10. Choose one damage type, gain resistance against it. That never hurts. And then at 14, this is my favorite Pearl name. Through Hell. Who doesn't yes. like that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, just the name. Even <laughs> yeah. if it didn't do anything, you'd be like, I can hurl through hell. You teleport a creature to hell until the end of your next turn. Sounds it like takes a- 10d10 psychic 
Um, unless something... Yeah. Fiend. That's supposed to be fiend. Oh, okay. Unless they're a fiend. Because they belong there if they're a fiend. And what you've just described, first level, sixth level, tenth level, fourteenth level, who wouldn't pick the fiend patron? Well, I wouldn't. And we'll find out when we get to the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> the fiend is a very, power, very powerful choice. Um, so the great old one, I think this is supposed to be like Cthulhu-ish kind of thing. He is on the list of yeah. uh, choices down there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, first level, you get telepathy up to 30 feet. Sixth level, Entropic Ward. Um, you can use your reaction to give disadvantage to an attack, and if it if it misses, you get advantage on your next attack. That's eh, okay, but, you know, I they might have missed anyway. It'd be nicer if you could add the die after they rolled. Um, tenth level, Thought Shield. You're immune to your thoughts being read, and you have resistance to psychic damage. How often does that come up? Uh, exactly. It's, it's very niche And at fourteenth, you create a thrall. You touch an incapacitated creature um, to charm until you have— they have removed cursed on them. So basically you got like this little zombie zombie thing running around and you can communicate with them telepathically. That's got good role play potential. Um, as a DM, I'm not in favor of any abilities that add creatures to the board. <laughs> yeah, unless you've got a really clear like character concept, this sounds more like uh, an NPC class than anything else. You know, something that you'd want somebody to run into one of these, but playing one long term might not be as exciting. Yeah, it's I've never run into somebody who chose the great old one. It's just yeah. not an, an overwhelming, you know, like, oh, my God, I want to do that. Um, <laughs> another patron. And again, you know, the warlock options, they have one, two, three, four, six patron options in addition to all the other stuff you're choosing. So, uh the fourth one, the Undying, which is added in Sword Coast Adventures Guide. Um, among the dead, you get Spare the Dying and Undead have to make a save to target you, which is okay. Uh, at six level, you get Defy Death. Um, you gain 1d8 plus con, your con mod, and hit points on a death save success or when you stabilize a creature with Spare the Dying. So basically, you, you pop right back up. That's sort of cool. Um, and I could see it used in, you know, fairly frequently. Um, at 10th, you get Undying Nature. You can hold your breath indefinitely, and you don't need food, water, or sleep, and you have slow aging. Okay, that's that's a role playability, unless you're yeah. doing a lot of underwater adventuring. <laughs> which well, makes doesn't match the coast. Undying at all. It's not like a water-based <laughs> thing. It's just that you can hold your breath. Um, and at 14, indestructible life. As a bonus action, you can regain 1d8 plus your level and hit points and severed body parts reattached. That sounds like fun. Do you like separate body parts and your players when things happen? I mean, you know, it's not even a thing in D&D unless there's a vorpal weapon involved. Right. Um, Nobody really loses a finger or a hand or anything no, like that. Which, which makes you think, why would I, why would it even matter? Um, I have to tell you a story about the and, uh, chart that I made up using a a D100 die. Oh, for, for... For losing bits and pieces of your body. Well, that's like Rollmaster. Have <laughs> you ever played Rollmaster? They had all those Never charts. Never though, yeah. Yeah, Iron Crown Enterprises. They they had very that's... detailed damage charts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember I think, that. Well, spine comes out back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and the other thing about their 14th level ability, 1d8 plus level and hit points. Well, gee, that's a second level fighter ability. Right? <laughs> I mean... As a bonus action, fighters can can heal. I think it's one d ten plus their level. So, you know, so when you consider you're reattaching body parts, you essentially get a second level ability at fourteenth level. Another one, Xanthar's Guide to Everything introduced two more warlock packs, Celestials. So basically, you know, you make this pact, 
But it doesn't necessarily have to be evil. It could be with the good guys, which is contrary to the whole concept of Warlock in, in my mind. But okay, let's, you know, give people more options. That's a good thing. You get the light and sacred flame cantrips. Well, you're starting to sort of sound like a cleric at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. At first level, you get healing light. One plus your level in D6s used for healing as a bonus action. Okay. A cleric gets cure wounds. At 6th level, you get resistance to radiant damage, and you get to add your charisma modifier to radiant or fire spell damage to one target. All right, that's nice. You know, you Pretty specific. 10th level, celestial resistance. You get temporary hit points equal to your level plus your charisma mod, and up to five others gain half of that amount. So that's like a uber aid spell, again, that a cleric could provide. And at 14th, mm-hmm. you get Searing Vengeance. You gain half your maximum hit point when making a death saving throw, and a creature of your choice within 30 feet takes 2d8 plus your con modifier radiant and is blinded. Uh, and that's once per long rest. You why am up. I? Why you am I? Up. Yeah. Why am I seeing like uh, manga anime? Yeah. Like, yeah. Something going on when the, the main character is like you know trying to heroically come back from the brink of death and. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's some decent abilities, but again, I'm not a fan of abilities that require you to be almost dead to use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, yes, when it happens, it's awesome, and it probably makes for a very memorable gaming moment. You know, I was the last one standing. I went down. I got hit. I made my death save. I exploded in light, and the bad guy took uber damage, and, you know, and then I used my, you know, celestial resistance to to give everybody temper. I don't know. I mean... Eh, it's it's actually got decent abilities. I just don't necessarily like it based on the concept, you know, that you're a warlock, but now you're a good guy warlock. We have those. They're called clerics. Right? <laughs> like, um, now the last one. Yes, and um, this seemed Hexblade. to be... Uh, you said this came about originally Xanathar's. In, this is a Xanathar. I know, but it came but about... But it originally came about, yeah. In 4th uh, edition? Is that right? Uh, it was... In 4th edition, yes. Yeah. In Heroes of the Forgotten Kingdoms. Yeah, and in Xanathar's, it's the longest entry. Yeah, and this is what I see the most of in Warlocks. So um, the idea of a Hexblade is that you get like a uber weapon. Okay, so if you're already going uh, with a Warlock with a, a Pact that you're going to focus on melee combat, Pact of the Blade... You could even maybe do Pack of the Chain. Well, it doesn't really matter. You could use any pack, but Pack of the, the Blade gives you that sort of ability to poof in and out a, a magic weapon. And then you pick this up at first level. So you get um, Hexblade's Curse at first level. So you get a damage bonus equal to your proficiency bonus. You crit on a 19 or a 20, and you regain hit points equal to your level plus a Charisma mod on your target on the target death. Now, that's only, you can only use that once per rest, okay, sh- short or long rest. Right. But against a big bad fight, and, and not to give away any trade secrets, but in a four-hour adventure, if you play at a convention, there's usually three fights. So, you know, sometimes there's two, sometimes there's four, but usually it's three. Um, so when you're on third fight, that's when you pull out the big guns and you use your uber ability like this one. Um, you also get, again, this is why this is a popular choice. Hex Warrior. You get proficiency in medium armor, shields, and martial weapons. You no longer have to use sticks. Yeah. yeah. I, that's huge. If you actually yeah. want to play a warlock that's that's a melee-type character, you have to take Hexblade. Yeah. You're, you know, me- medium armor is decent. You can do something with medium armor. Um, 
so that you also get to use your charisma modifier instead of strength or dex for any weapon that's not two-handed for your attack and damage rolls. So you become a single attribute character. All you need is charisma. Your spells are based on charisma. Your melee is based on charisma. You can pump charisma and everything else could be Mm tens. Nobody cares. Um, And when you have Pact of the Blade, um, every Pact weapon has that, that ability. Okay, so you get that stuff. Now, the higher stuff um, is sort of nice, but I don't see a lot of people get really high in Warlock because they splash Hexblade for one level to pick up those two uber abilities to use for every other other every other character class they're using, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that Hexblade's curse is pretty powerful. Um, but let's... Sixth level, you get a cursed specter. You can create a specter out of a slain humanoid, and it follows you around um, <laughs> nice. until the end of the next law, lo- until the yeah, end of the next rest. Okay, um, you can do it once per once per long rest. It obeys your verbal commands and gains a special bonus to its attack rolls equal to your charisma modifier. Yeah. Okay, specters. What CR <laughs> specters cool. do you have uh, up there? Yes, I do. Um, what are you looking for? Specter, the CR rating. Uh, one. What? Okay, so you've essentially just added another at six level. Okay, now remember a one doesn't mean it's like equivalent to a first level character. It's that four first level characters are moderately challenged to kill it. Right. In, in actuality, if it's by itself, they they roll over it like a, a you know bad speed bump. But mm-hmm. um, you it's close to the power of probably a third or fourth level character that you've just oh, yes. added to the group. Oh, yes. You just add yeah. another group member that, that can do cool stuff. As long I as mean, you don't rest. It's yeah. got all kinds of damage resistances. Yeah. As a DM, I hate it because it just adds another token to the board that I have to keep track of and slows <laughs> down combat. Um, but I, I have seen people, you know, pull that out. Uh, at 10th level, we get Armor of Hexes. You can use Reaction to cause Cursed Target to miss you 50% of the time. So if you use your Warlock's Curse on somebody... They they miss you. It's like a cloak of displacement. That would just aggravate me to no end as a DM. I mean, I know it's... Cloaks of displacement aggravate many DMs, so yeah. Yeah. yeah I, this is essentially what that is. And then at 14th level, remember, you only get one Hexblade's curse, but at 14th level, you can actually move your curse from a slain creature to a new creature. So if you're in a combat, no. you curse first creature, then move that curse to the second creature, so you get double double use out of it. Which is sort of nice. Um, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, and for we have one class. Yeah, so those are the decisions you're making so far. But we haven't even talked about the most complicated. Oh God. Um, which I, uh, folks, maybe Greg will take a picture of it and load it. There's six pages, five, five, five pages of notes, and it's all, <laughs> all invocations. Yeah, we have. <laughs> Two full pages of invocation. So sit back, strap so in, and they, come they along start for the ride. with two of these. They end with eight, and some of them are limited by what pact you take. Okay, so th- so again, you need to sort of front load your decisions based on what where you want to end up. That's very reminiscent of three and three point five. I need to plan my character out up to level twenty before I roll the first die. Um. That sounds a lot like uh, another game system that we know of. Which one are you talking about? Isn't that uh, kind of how Pathfinder works a little bit? Well, that's, that's essentially 3.5. I mean, yeah. no, no offense to the Pathfinder folks, but well, yeah, know, that's, but, that's yeah. where it started, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, 
So Agonizing Blast. Here's the big one. So most Warlocks rely on Eldritch Blast to do their damage. Um, they fire this thing. It does uh, 1d10, I believe. Um, normally, you don't get to add your stat bonus to cantrips. Well, Agonizing Blast, you can add your Charisma modifier to your Eldritch Blast damage. There's that one stat again. Yeah. Um, they got Armor of Shadows. You get Mage Armor. That's okay. Ascendant Step. You get Levitate. Uh, aspect of the moon, you no longer need to sleep. Some of these are you would never take except for roleplay purposes. Mm -hmm. um, beast speech, you can speak with animals, or you could just be a druid. Uh, <laughs> or have one in the group. Beguiling influence, you get proficiency in deception and persuasion. Bewitching whispers, you can cast compulsion uh, once per long rest. Book of Ancient Secrets, this is another one that's frequently taking, uh, taken, and you have to have the Pact of the Tome for this. Um, but you can essentially collect ritual spells from any class. And you're a ritual caster. So essentially, you collect up these spells, and now you can cast any ritual anytime you want without using a spell slot. Damn. In addition to the fact that you got to cherry pick three cantrips from other spells... Spell lists. Yeah. Or other class of spell lists. Yeah, throw that vicious mockery in there. That's the other... <laughs> if I'm not playing a Hexblade, I'm playing a pack of the Tome Warlock that can pretty much cast everything. That's that's awesome. Okay. Uh, Change of Canceri. You can do a hold monster. Cloak of flies. <laughs> You're surrounded by flies. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, in a five-foot aura um, that causes damage. And your name is Pigpin. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Is that fun? I mean, I'm covered in flies. I... A lot of this is very Cthulhu-esque, you know. Um, Devil Sight, you can yeah, see I'm not in sure darkness. how much your other party members are going to like yeah, a lot of these things. Right. You know, this is, you, yeah, this, yeah. This is, so, these are different. I can see a well-played warlock kind of controlling the party actions. Yeah, well, there's such a complex class in what they can do, uh, but they usually end up very specialized. So it, it really varies. Um, Devil Sight gives you... Um, Devil Sight. You can see in all darkness, magical and normal. We haven't talked about rangers yet, but rangers have that Gloomstalker build where if they are attacking from darkness, they get advantage on their attack rolls. Well, Devil Sight creature could uh, cast darkness on themselves and uh, always be attacking from with advantage if they're... Um, actually, any class could pretty much do that because your attacker can't see you, but... Um, this lets you see out of magical darkness, which is there's yeah. not a lot of. I think uh, tiefling one one subclass of tiefling has that ability, but now, I don't think anybody else does. Folks, remember, not all of these are in the player's handbook. Some of these are exclusive only to like Xanathars and. Yeah, I mean, we just put them all together. Yeah. We didn't annotate because we right. just assume everybody can use everything. Um, if you're restricted, then it sucks to be. Or you've got D and D Beyond. Now, <laughs> the other thing about darkness, I should mention that many people forget. If you cast darkness on like a little rock or a gold piece or copper piece because I'm cheap, um, <laughs> if I close my hand on that copper piece, the darkness goes away. Okay, darkness is just mm -hmm. like light. Yes, right. Huh. Um, where it's not just always there. If I cover up the object that the it's darkness gone. is gone, it's gone. Yes. So you can have selective darkness, which is a little weird. So in that, in that case, you truly are attacking the darkness. That's right. <laughs> Could be. Um, dreadful word, you cast confusion. Eldritch Sight, detect magic at will. I, I don't know if that's worth an evocation, but okay. Um, Eldritch Smite, you can expend a spell slot to deal an extra D8 
per level on a weapon hit, and the target becomes prone. That's that's sort of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Eldritch Spear, your Eldritch Blast goes out to 300 feet. Oh, wow. Reach nice. out and touch yes. someone. Um, yeah. Eyes of the Rune Keeper, you can read all writing. Most of my characters can't read it all, so that would be a waste. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Fiendish Vigor gives you false life, basically extra hit points. Gaze of two minds, you can perceive through a humanoid that you've touched. So instead of risking your own neck going into the dungeon, yeah. you touch the halfling on the head and kick him forward. Yeah. <laughs> Go check it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess you could... You, you could use that, that on an NPC. I'm going to get a hireling. Remember yes, that yeah, pizza right. guy? There was this new Netflix movie about the guy who had the bomb around his neck, the pizza delivery guy. He ended up, like, exploding, but it was some convoluted scheme that somebody had that's i just i just envisioned that you know with (laughs) with some goblin or something you know we we have we have a fireball you know targeted on you if you don't walk forward we're gonna blast you (laughs) nice uh ghostly gaze you can see through solid objects up to 30 feet once but you can only do it once per rest i don't think there's any lawful good characters that use most of this stuff is there (laughs) <laughs> We're going to talk about that during our alignments uh, <laughs> podcast, which might be next, actually. Um, we really need to talk about alignments. Um, gift of the Depths. You get water breathing per long rest. Well, you know, that's at fifth level. Well, if I take that other thing, I get I don't have to breathe at all. So <laughs> if that's if I'm going to take that as yeah. an Eldritch Blast, maybe I should have made a different decision earlier. Um, grasp of Hadar. I always want to say Hodor. Um, <laughs> Eldritch Blast moves a creature 10 feet towards you. There's not a lot of movement <laughs> spells in 5th edition. So the ones there are are sort of powerful. Um, anytime you can sort of reposition creatures, that's that's a pretty good feature. There's another one later on that moves creatures 10 feet away from you with an Eldritch Blast. Yeah. So you could become a, a pretty controlling individual um, if you take those guys. And again, a lot of uh, warlocks focus on Eldritch Blast. That's, that's their build. Mm-hmm. Um, improved pack weapon. Your pack weapon becomes your spellcasting focus, and it becomes plus one if it's not already or plus one, and you add bows to your packed weapons. Normally you can't have bows, but if you take oh. this one, you can. Cool. I see some people do that just for the bow ability. Um, Lance of Lethargy. Uh, your Eldritch <laughs> Blast reduces target speed by 10 for one turn. That's eh, okay. Uh, I think um, I have that sometimes. Life Drinker, your pack weapon damage um, adds uh, your charisma modifier bonus. Um Maddening Hex, bonus action to cause damage to your Hex creature and all within five feet, equal to your Charisma modifier. Um, Mask of Many Faces, you can do Disguise Self. Master of Myriad Forms, you can do Alter Self. Minion of Chaos, you can Conjure an Elemental once per long rest. A lot of these are just extra spell abilities you can use one time. Uh, Mire of the Mind, you cast Slow once per long rest. Misty Visions, you can cast Silent Image. Okay. Uh, one with shadows. You can use your action to be invisible until you move. Use an action or reaction. Yeah. Which I, I don't know. I guess there's that other ability that if you get hit, you can teleport away and, and turn invisible. That seems to be the better choice. Otherworldly leap. You can cast jump. Yay. <laughs> I'm a jumping warlock. <laughs> um, relentless hex. You can teleport up to 30 feet to a cursed target as a bonus action. Again, anything that that's essentially a one-shot misty step um, towards your cursed target. That that's sort of cool if you got somebody in the back behind a bunch of mooks that you want to get to. Um, Eldritch blast, repelling blast. That's with the one where you push ten feet with an eldritch yeah. blast. Sculptor of the flesh, polymorph once per long rest. Shroud of 
Shroud of Shadows, you can cast Invisibility. Sign of Ill Omen, you can bestow Curse once per long rest. Thief of Five Fates, you can cast Bane once per long rest. Thirsting Blade, you get two attacks with your packed weapons. So if you want to pretend to be a fighter, you can pretend to be a fighter at fifth level by taking that thing and get two attacks just like a fighter would. Unfortunately, fighters will then continue to get attacks as they level and you will not. Tomb of Levistus. Um, this this one gets... Anytime they have weird names, they get com- convoluted. You can use your reaction for 10 temporary hit points before you get hit, but you get vulnerability to fire, a speed of zero, and you're incapacitated until the end of your next turn. You can do that once per rest. So basically, you get like an icy tomb or something. Uh, it's It's crazy. <laughs> Trickster's Man. Escape, Freedom of Movement, Once Per Long Rest, Visions of Distant Realms, you get cast Arcane Eye, Voice of the Chainmaster, you get to communicate telepathically with your familiar, no limit on how far your senses can go, wow. and speak. you can speak through your familiar. That's kind of cool. There was is some debate, under Find Familiar, you can see and communicate with your, well, not really communicate in words, but... You know, you can see what they see and you get right. emotions yeah. out to like 120 feet. A lot of GMs ignore that and let people communicate farther than that. Um, but technically, you're supposed to be pretty limited. Find Familiar is one of the mo- more overpowered spells in 5th edition. And when you let people go like, oh, you can see through your familiar's eyes for any distance. It's just the communication that's limited to 120 feet, which is sometimes how I see it ruled because of the way the, it's worded in Player's Handbook. Um that makes that spell even more powerful. So um, I'm not a fan of that. I think limited. But this one does let you expand it, which then makes this a decent ability. Um, Whispers of the Grave, you can speak with dead. And now, which uh, site? Okay, now you start with two and you're going to end up with a total of eight over yeah. the course of the career of the Warlock. A lot of these have a certain level requirement. Yep. So you've got to be very, very... Forward thinking about yeah, what you want to plan all this out. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's, you know, this feels very to, much like a 3.5 yeah. character. And you have to hope you survive that long. Yeah. Now we have so many options, I have lost where I am. <laughs> I, yeah, I, my knowledge of Roman numerals doesn't even go up that high yeah. <laughs> of what we have on our outline. <laughs> there are no M's yet, so that's a good thing. <laughs> well, actually, I do, be- yeah, I do believe that we have kind of... Uh, covered most of what yeah, we, the we warlock spent does. through i mean i don't what, what are your guys feelings about the warlock after our whole okay it's very interesting and it's maybe more interesting to me now than it was before but that whole idea of having to plan wow when i'm 15th level these are the spells i'm gonna have i mean no plan you know ever goes according to plan as soon as you set out. I mean, the DM could completely screw you up in some way, shape, or form, or you may want to go in a different direction. That whole idea of having to plan out or at least think about that so far in advance just is not appealing to me. Uh, This might be good for Adventures League, though, where you're not tied to a game master's sort of, you know, character background changing plan. And that's the thing with warlocks. Okay, if I'm a GM, DM, um, and I'm running a warlock in a home game, I'll make their life hell. They have a pact. You know, if you have a pact with the fiend, that fiend's going to be knocking on your door when you well, get to be higher level and be like, hey, buddy. For instance, <laughs> yeah. in my game, um, the fiend kind of paid a little visit. 
to the warlock yeah. and messed with him. And he's now wearing a cursed item because the fiend kind of... Yeah, I mean... It, yeah, I'm playing on that whole fiend thing. And even and, the fae, you know, the yeah. fae are very whimsical and, and not necessarily evil, but they will definitely jerk you around. Yeah. yeah. My, my guy is either going to have to pony up the money to remove a curse or he's going to have to get a high enough level to do it himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So from that aspect, I, I sort of like the class, but we're going to talk about alignment next podcast, hopefully. And now we get into, you know, how are do you have a patron that's the fiend, but you're going to play a lawful good? Because re- remember, there's no limitations on what alignment you need to be to be a warlock. Mm-hmm. But it has so, to make sense. That's the trick. It doesn't have to. Well, In Greg's it, world, it does because you spend should. three days planning uh, a character. But right, and I agree with Greg. I mean, you know, and we're we're kind of stealing some of our thunder, but I do think it does. I don't want to say the there's no rules. There's no you know hard and fast rule that if you're a fiend or you have a pact with a fiend that you should be in some way at least neutral um, or chaotic in some way, shape, or form. But I agree with Greg. It does kind of need to be, go hand in hand. You're going to have to work real hard to make this function like it should if you're going good or lawful on, on a lot of these things, especially the good, because, you know, yeah. you're, and I don't you're know being how forced many, to make sketchy, cha- sketchy choices. I don't know how many pure warlocks I have seen, but let's talk briefly about multi-class, because that is what I most frequently see. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a, a build called a Sorlock. You're a sorcerer or warlock. <laughs> you basically take one level on warlock, you get your Eldritch Blast. You take all the invocations that boost your Eldritch Blast. And then you advance to Sorcerer. Now, remember, cantrips scale according to character level, not mm-hmm. class level. So that Eldritch Blast is growing in power from 1d10 to 2d10 to 3d10, and I think it maxes at 4d10. Yeah. Um, you're adding your Charisma modifier, plus there's a couple uh, things that, that give you extra bonuses on your invocation. And as a Sorcerer, I can take Quicken Spell which allows me to cast an additional spell as long as one of them is a cantrip. Well, I can cast two Eldritch Blasts. Rapid fire. Yes. Um, And I can take Twinned Spell (laughs) at the same time. So I can target two creatures, use two sorcery points, and attack two twice. So I can hit four times for... XD10 plus 5. Right. Um, he essentially has a magical machine gun. Yes. So I see that build a lot. Um, hmm. And then on top of it, you know, you can t- take Pact of the Tome. Um, so you can collect rituals, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of nice. Although you might not be high enough level to get that ability now that I think about it. Um, but you still get the, can- uh, the cantrips for Pact of the Tome, which is nice. It gives you a little more flexibility. Um, so basically, you're a machine gunner that can do a lot of other other stuff. <laughs> um, the other multi-class build is the... Uh, padlock? Pa- padlock. The Paladin Warlock. And they which sounds take, like an interesting build. Well, they take Hexblade. Um, because you get those special abilities where against your cursed target, you crit on a 19 or 20. Um, yeah, you get nice. a little bit of a hit point boost. You get a damage bonus equal to your proficiency bonus. 
which is nice because damage bonuses are hard to come by. Um, and if you're a paladin, you're normally you need to have charisma for your paladin stuff. Correct. But you need strength for your weapon stuff. And preferably you want con so you have some hit points. Well, guess what? If I'm a hexblade, I dump strength. I give myself a 10 strength or maybe a 13 if I have to make And you put it charisma. in your charisma. And I put in my charisma and yep. I max charisma because now I'm using charisma for my attacks. It does yeah. limit me to one-handed weapons, but... Um, then all you have to concentrate is really your con or your decks if you want to, you know... Well, you're going to wear in heavy armor, so you dump decks. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you dump intelligence because everybody dumps intelligence. <laughs> nice. um, wisdom, uh, if you want to be able to go quick in combat, I guess, but... I mean, essentially, you become a single attribute character. You want charisma. Everything else is gravy, which makes it really easy to play. Yeah, especially with a high charisma. I mean, hmm. that's a, that's a yeah. really good build. It's a very interesting one. And it's only a one-level splash in Warlock. You get all that stuff at first level. Hmm. Which is, and then you can concentrate on Paladin the rest yeah, of the way. Yeah, you go Paladin. You can smite. You can use your Warlock spell slots for smite, I believe, if you want. Um, it's a lot of note-taking and a lot of just... Keeping everything straight in your mind. Yeah. Well, and I see, and I see it as in, in-game. Of course, you know, I'm looking at this from a character creation standpoint. How are you explaining how you're losing your pact with this demon? I mean, that's something that has to be dealt with in-game, I would think. And yes. You have to agree, DM has to agree with that. If you're going to start multi-classing, the DM has to write adventure activity around you changing your class because you just can't you know when oh, you guys level up okay i'm not a warlock anymore well your warlock background yeah has right. a you don't get to just like you know yeah. cast it off yeah no because you got all that stuff making some kind of hideous pact and now you have to <laughs> undo that and that's not something you can do you know yeah. off to the side yeah so do we want to talk about my build now that's we were all supposed me. to build characters i'm sure you guys didn't but i did yeah, I looked I at this well, and I was yeah, just but, like, I, that's, that, it was just too much. <laughs> if I was going to do one, I think I might like that whole padlock thing. It sounds very interesting. But then again, I'm I'm in Greg's, uh, I'm on Greg's team there. It's got to be some suitable reasoning why you are what you are. Yeah, I ignored that whole thing when I built my character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I'm a mid-maxer. <sighs> So my character I call a Warsoradin. <laughs> okay, so we You'll talked see that about in Jurassic World how you could, you could multi-class Warlock with Paladin or Warlock with Sorcerer. Well, why not multi-class Warlock with Paladin and Sorcerer? Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's a defense-based fighter. So I, I built him up to 8th level because that's when he really comes online, when he gets his abilities. <laughs> He's got a 22 armor class. And he has shield spell. So it can, he can bump it with a reaction up to 27. That That's sort of awesome. <laughs> he uses a rapier because why not? You know, I, I <laughs> could use any cool. single-handed cool. weapon. They're all D8s. That's a okay. finesse weapon. He gets his channel divinity aspects. Um, he can control undead, but the better thing is dreadful aspect. Cause every creature within 30 feet to make a DC 15 wisdom saving throw. Or um, they're frightened and they move away from me. For one minute. <laughs> wow. And if they're more than 30 feet, they get to remake their save at the end of their turn. So they'll eventually come back. But it's like, eh, too many monsters. Half of you run away. Um, I get yeah, that stupid nice. divine sense. I get a helping hands that can heal eight hit points. But I also get lay on hands. And at eighth level, that's going to be 30 hit points because I'm a six level paladin. Ooh. I also have a necrotic shroud, which um, Again, I transform. Yeah. 
And all creatures within 10 feet has to make a charisma DC save or, or DC 15 save or be frightened of me. Um, and then I once on am. my turn, I can have one attack or spell deal an extra eight necrotic damage to one target who's afraid of me. Okay. Um, I got all kinds of cool spells like Shield of Faith. I could add two more to my armor class if I wanted to. I got Hex. I could instead Hex a creature, do the extra damage. Expeditious Retreat, so I can run wherever I want. Compelling Duels, so I can make the big boss fight me because I have the best armor class. Um, I also took spells just because I like to have them. In addition to Shield, I took Featherfall because that's always a good spell to have, especially yeah. when you're wearing plate mail. And Hellish Rebuke. So if somebody mm-hmm. hits me, I'm going to smack them back. So what okay. pack did you take? Um, I have the good question. I don't remember. Um, it's probably packed. Uh, the, blade? the blade. Hold on, I'll tell you what, what my abilities are. It's a very convoluted character. If I didn't have it on D and D Beyond, I don't know if I'd be able to actually tell you um, what I have. So class scroll, features. Eric, scroll. Um, so my paladin. I'm I'm a, a oathbreaker paladin. I know that. Okay. Um, he's breaking pacts. He's breaking oaths. Well, you have to go with that. Okay. <laughs> um, I also get the extra attack as a paladin, so I get two two attack actions. Uh, my aura of protection gives everybody plus four within 10 feet on their saves. Um, as a sorcerer, I'm shadow magic. Okay, so I get dark vision out to 120 feet um, and strength of the grave. That's if I drop. 120 feet? Yeah. Nice. If mm. strength of the grave, because you might be able to see if you're the frontline tank, you might be able to see. Um, mm. When I get reduced to zero hit points, I make a charisma saving throw of five plus the damage taken. Remember, charisma is my only stat I'm, I'm putting any points in, so that's going to be a pretty good stat. And if I succeed, I instead drop to one hit point. So I have like that that yeah. sort of half-orc feature. Um, I'm a Hexblade Warlock, um, and um, I, so I get the, the Hexblade's Curse, which means I can curse a target, crit on 1920. And I'm guessing that you're with the Archfiend. Um, I don't know if I picked or not. Yeah, somewhere. Um, does it tell me? Because my next question is, what alignment are you? Uh, I, I'm, I ignore alignment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how he's min-maxing, by ignoring some of the stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of saw it going that way. <laughs> you struck a bargain with an otherworldly being. <laughs> Why isn't it telling me? Actually, if I go into the edit edit mode, I could... Otherworldly being, isn't that like the uh, old one? It might be. Let me look. Um, so anyway, I mean, it's for a cool level, char- it's a cool character. He's he's very tanky. He's got a lot of options. I like to play a f- flexible char- character. But if Greg, if you saw this character coming up through the ranks in your game, and you were the uh, DM, I would be disturbed. Well, disturbed, and- or would you be doing certain <laughs> things to kind of like? Well, you would kind of be inclined to to, to completely screw with that. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. this is so planned out and <laughs> so, you know, min-maxy and all that. And that's not how life works. Yeah. And life and the game are, yeah, at some point uh, are that reflective fiend of each or other. That great one or whatever oh, will come in be and you visiting know. all the time. Yes, they're yeah. going to show up for lunch. They're mm-hmm. going to be ready to go. Yeah, and then you know, but I'm sure Eric has a has an escape plan for that. <laughs> yeah, just kill everything in front of me. <laughs> so that's my my triple multi class. What'd you call it again? A war sword. War sword. War sword. War sword. I would be a war sword on. Um, <laughs> yeah, and if I had polymorph, I could become some sort of yeah. dinosaur that would be a war sword. <laughs> yeah, that's there great. you go. That is great. Oh my gosh! Well, folks, that is my the warlock. Hurts. 
the warlock. I hope that you were able to follow all that information. There was a ton of information, and I'm glad we're done with the warlock. By the way, yeah, we had to kind of get was, it out of the way. I was dreading this one a little bit, but <laughs> it's an interesting character, regardless of how you feel about it. It is an interesting class. If I had somebody in my home game that was really into the role play aspects of warlock, I think I would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a shame Brinley didn't get to stick around longer because she was definitely she could. All, we're going to start was up definitely again all after for, the new year. Uh, all for doing that, but uh, she had a definitely an interesting and uh, complicated character background as well, and and I think she was wanting that. Well, we'll have that to let her know when we start playing again after New Year's because she might rejoin. Yep, depends on her work schedule. So anyway, that's the uh, that's a wrap for the Grognard. So Greg, do you want to take us out here? Um, use your warlock abilities. Oh God, well, that's got to and my my pack. <laughs> I have to pick my pact now. Oh no! Um, yeah, if you want to tell us what otherworldly creature you have made a pact with, you can uh, get a hold of us on Facebook where we are the Grognards. Um, uh, on Twitter, we are at tgrognards, and on Instagram, we are the underscore grognards. And of course, there is your uh, Eldritch email where we are gamers at thegrognards.com. If you've made a warlock, contact us in some way, shape, or form and let us know what you did with your warlock character and how that worked out for you. Or if you made a war sword in, or a war sword in, <laughs> yes, or something else, who knows. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun on this one. Uh, very informative. But uh, that's it for the Grognards. For the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. And I'm Eric Hawley, but I would like Dean to take us out at the end with the, uh, the Excalibur curse, because that fits with the, uh, the Warlock theme. Oh, we're going to let Greg do that. Oh, that, Greg, I know oh that Greg, that's right. He's going to let Greg. So I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Game on. <laughs>